We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike, and welcome to our general NBA Wednesdays, where we discuss the NBA at large or the Lakers in context of the NBA at large. And uh, we're going to be doing the latter in today's show. And so, Mike, what do we have in, in, in store for today? So th- there was a concept last year that the three of us, I, I always reference our group text chain, and that's kind of part of the point of the pod now, right, is to bring everybody in on that. And one of the things that was starting to bug me, and not as somebody that covers the Lakers, but as sort of an MB, I, I'm always obsessed with fairness and, and the way that people talk about things being accurate, uh, probably to a fault. And this whole concept was that the Lakers were the two stars and then they didn't really have anybody else. You know, oh, if you look at the rest of the roster, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't buy that. And I think the three of us, especially watching in many Laker fans, watching Lakers super closely, were like, well, well, hold on. You're not realizing how well a lot of, a lot of these guys are playing and just how good they are in general. And that was, uh, Danny, that was Danny Green and KCP, Caruso, like on down the list. Rondo, of course, surprised us in the playoffs. Dwight was really good all year, but... Like that, we could, you could call it a three through eight, or if you want to go three through 10. And I thought that people were starting to kind of recognize that as the playoffs went on, but I don't think really did. I think it was still more about LeBron and AD. They kind of got the credit and the rest of the guys were just sort of there. So heading into this season, Rob Palenka and the rest of the staff make the moves. Uh, they get Harrell, they get Schroeder, then they get Gasol, they get Matthews. And you're starting to hear some more respect because those are, you know, because of where they finished in six man ratings or because Gasol's got a title, whatever. But I, I heard a quote, I was listening to a pod um, with Nate Duncan and John Hollinger and Hollinger had a quote, and I don't mean to cherry pick this because I've gotten cherry picked quotes wise as well. In fact, there was the whole thing last year when I said Caruso was better than Lou Williams, which by the way, certainly. Oh, you weren't wrong about. 
Uh-huh. Uh, and, but like I, I saw that come up on my Twitter feed more times than I than I needed to. Uh, so I'm going to retweet it now, Mike. I, like I'm going to go <laughs> so, right now. Just give me a second. <laughs> so what I'm not I'm not trying to turn this into a okay. The, I'm mentioning Hollinger in this specific quote, but I thought what it would be it would be great to unpack, and I thought it would be great for the two of you guys to sort of check. Uh, and and so I sent you. I, what I basically did was make rankings, initial rankings on the Western rosters outside of the top two players. Now, are we, are, are you with me? Okay. hundred uh-huh. yes. okay. percent. I used to do so, this in high school, actually, when I was supposed to be paying attention in class, I'd make lists exactly like this. So this is, dude, this is my jam. You know what I was doing in, in high school? Uh, I would, I would get the, the, I would get the paper. Um, and the first, whatever the first break was would go through and tally up our fantasy basketball scores from the box scores. When you had paper. to do it manually? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, so you kids out there, okay? We didn't have any websites that we could go to. Okay. There wasn't an app on your phone. My, He'd walk to no the, that's right. ESPN.com didn't even have the websites uh, like in, in order to put out box scores yet. So that was how we did it. And I remember I had Hakeem and Scotty Pippen the same year, one year. And, my, and the weird thing was that Pippen actually had better fantasy numbers than Jordan because Pippen would, because you got two points for steals, blocks, you know, assists, rebounds. Jordan was scoring more. Anyway, I digress. Okay. Here's the, here's the, here's the Hollinger quote. Quote, when I look at the third, fourth, fifth best players on these teams they're competing with, and they being the Lakers, they're all way better than what L.A. has. What L.A. has that nobody can match is the best one-two combo in the league by far, and that I think allows them to punch way above their weight in a postseason environment when they both play 40-plus minutes at their max. But to rack up regular season wins in a compressed schedule, they don't really have the roster for that. So after I heard that, I immediately texted the two of you, and I think it was probably one in the morning. Um, so I think I got the <laughs> It was. I woke okay. up to that. I was like, wow, Mike is feeling it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I well, and I, I just said it because I thought it would be a good talking point. So just to make sure that I'm not talking for the entire time, uh, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you um, – let's start at the, at the top just because I, I think uh, – I personally have the Lakers actually as first – in terms of talent from three through eight in the roster. But first, Darius, can hit me with the the nuance of the of sort of you can't separate the three through eight slash ten from the one and the two in yeah. real basketball. So that is part of it. And LeBron and AD certainly do complement and make all these guys better. But like that we're gonna try to dissect them sans those two. But I want you to be able to weigh in and sort of talk about how this stuff is integrated as well. Yeah. And this is a conversation that Pete and I have had like on the pod and as well as offline when we sort of look around the league and talk about hey what do you think about this player or that player because pete and i like to play armchair gm as well behind the scenes Mm -hmm. um but the idea of anthony davis and lebron and and this came up in my little speech that you guys want to play for the team at some point but Uh the idea of lebron and ad being such versatile players and the ability to surround them with pretty much any type of talent and lebron and ad are going to be able to to shift around within the context of of their very wide skill sets and allow those other players to flourish Right. And so it's it's difficult to take any role player out of the context of the team that they play on a because of the system, but B because of the because of the surrounding talent. So LeBron and AD are both amazing ceiling raisers. Right, Pete. But they're also amazing floor raisers as well. Mm -hmm. And so they are the elite of the elite of the elite when you're talking about superstar talents, because. Any player that you slot next next to them suddenly is better. So the type of three-point shot that you get on a swing pass out of a LeBron post-up is going to just be more open than what it is versus a lesser talented player. And the types of dump-off passes that that a big man is going to get for an easy shot around the basket. Those, those are going to be more wide, wide open and less contested and less challenged because of the defensive attention that, that LeBron and AD draw as individual offensive talents. And the same can be true of the defensive side of the ball, right? Pete, like the idea Mm -hmm. of LeBron and AD being able to 
really defend from the paint and protect the rim all the way out to the three-point line and switch and trap and be a secondary help defender. They could cover up a lot of the weaknesses of their teammates in ways that lesser superstar players even cannot. And, and that makes the players around you better. And that's like one of the core definitions of what a superstar player is supposed to do. Yeah, the hiding weaknesses is really the crux of this. I just want to say up front that I think that that quote is insane and the premise is absurd. Uh, And it speaks to the idea of like maybe last year, if you looked at the rosters and had it on an Excel spreadsheet and had the Lakers third best player versus this other team's third best player at that point, right? Like maybe, maybe you can make that argument, but about this team's roster, I don't even agree with the premise in the first place, but you exactly you cannot separate from lebron and ad for the reasons that you pointed out because it hides weaknesses in i always like to say blessed are the shot creators right and that you can get somebody give the ball to somebody who can get their own and or create for somebody else and the more that they're able to do both the more blessed they are right so and we've got none other than other than lebron james who's capable of averaging what did he average in the finals 30 something on almost 60 percent from the field and he's one of the greatest passers of all time right um and so what that does for your three through eight is those guys don't have to do the things they're not good at they get to by and large only do the things that they are good at. And that translates to the defensive end as well, but even more so on the offensive end where you kind of dictate the terms of a possession. And so that it's just, if you look at it on, on a, an Excel spreadsheet, then maybe you could have made that argument last year. I think it's absurd even this year, even on those parameters, but in context, you just can't pull three through eight or three through 10 out of one, one and two. Yeah, and, and there are there are a couple there are a couple different arguments there. And just so that I don't go back to last year and do that whole thing again, because I think the Lakers proved pretty well that they had plenty of good role players who couldn't be taken who sort of you didn't have to worry about, oh, we gotta get that guy off the floor. And that's mm-hmm. part of how I built this exercise is that I think the Lakers this year, they go eleven deep with players who in a playoff game, you would be comfortable with them on the floor. And that is not common. Uh, it's, At all. it's just not it's not common. So I, I really do think that they go that deep. And this is again, this is why we sort of I, I sort of cherry picked this one Hollinger quote from the piece, because uh, to go back to it again, but to rack up regular season wins and a compressed schedule, they really don't have the roster for that. And that was that was the point. I was like, OK, so let, just to entertain this, of course, I know that it's that I, I don't think that it's anywhere near true. Let's let me actually literally look at each of the rosters in the West. And I don't think that there's a, there are a couple of Eastern rosters that are certainly deep, but none that are, you know, that are better uh, per se. So here's how we're going to do this. Um, I'm going to just give you my my t- and we don't have to list every single player, but it might be helpful for the exercise. And, and just so we know with the Lakers, I'm generally going to be able to uh, I'm, I'm going to put them in some rough order. Now, when I say like Marcus all before KCP, that doesn't mean that I'm declaring him for sure better, but it's somewhat in that order. So here's what the Lakers go. From their three through ten, Marcus All, KCP, Caruso, Schroeder, Harrell, Kuz, Wesley Matthews, Markeith Morris, THT. Now I couldn't leave any one of those guys off because again I could see those guys starting, any of those guys starting a game, and any of those guys finishing a game. And the one guy that maybe wasn't in that initial conversation was THT, but he is now. <laughs> we covered that in the last pod, by the mm-hmm. way. If you want to, you want to go back and get to that. Now the team that I have second is the Clippers. And let's just here here's that roster and let's just start right there, right? In Lakers Clippers and then maybe there's maybe there's another team that you guys think um is better than the Lakers or at least closer and we'll get to that. But Clippers. So you go Serge Ibaka, Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly, Zoo, Luke Kennard, Lou Williams, and Patrick Patterson. Now, most of those guys I think you can have absolutely having a playoff game. Um, and start. I don't know if Luke Kennard is starting or finishing a playoff game. We have to kind of see. Lou Will got played off the floor in the postseason and historically has. He's a, he's a 39% historical uh, for his career field goal percentage shooter. Uh, and that's his good side of the ball in the playoffs. And then Patrick Patterson, I'm not sure if, if you want him on the floor, but he's, he's not going to kill you. So just right there, Darius, who do you think is better um, for this season? Um, how close do you think it is? And do you agree that that would be the, the team you would have second or 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 if and that's assuming that you have the Lakers first? So 
I so I probably do have the Lakers first. One of the things I I would say with this too, Mike, is the way that you rank these likely relate even more to um, playoff outcomes, right? And to be fair to Hollinger, one of the points that he was making was talking about regular season wins. So I will pivot to that point to talk about the Lakers really quickly is Harrell and Schroeder were six man of the year candidates last year. Schroeder was a key contributor on a team that vastly overachieved in terms of what their preseason expectations were. And they were the fifth seed in the playoffs last year. And he and he was a big reason for that. Harrell was a key contributor. He 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 won the Sixth Man of the Year award, and he was a key closing lineup player on the team that was presumed to win the NBA championship last season, the Los Angeles Clippers. And so, standalone as talents, those guys are probably two of the better three through eight players you're going to find in the entire league. And so their, their acquisitions to add them to championship level role players like a Marcus who did not win last year's championship, but won the championship just a year before that as a key contributor and one of the Raptors best defensive players and one of the best defensive players in the league. When you talk about defensive plus minus numbers and individual defensive rating. And then you have guys like KCP and Caruso. Wes Matthews was a starting level, was a starting player on the Milwaukee Bucks, who were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So these are all high quality players, role players that you trust to contribute towards wins, right? Towards actual regular season wins. Darius, Montrez Harrell was supposed to be one of the reasons the Clippers were supposed to win the championship last season. He was like, the argument was that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard joined this 48-win team that was led by Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. They were the headliners of that team. And they were supposed to be, that combination was supposed to make them the favorites. So that right there, Trez at worst was a top four guy, or at least regarded as such prior to last season. Where does Schroeder rank on OKC's players last year? A five-seed playoff team, a mid-level playoff team. He's at worst, what, their fourth best player? Yeah, worst. Yeah, second or third. Yeah, I mean, you know, Shea, Shea was really good in the regular season. And then, of course, Steven Adams is pretty consistent. But in crunch time, it was like CP and then Schroeder. Right, you know? man. It, and yeah. so you can make a good argument for you as their second best player, especially when it in, in the games that matter. And so we get those guys. You said Wes Matthews, Mark Gasol, both guys. Mark was maybe the fifth best guy on Toronto. Wes is, you know, five to six, seven, somewhere in there for for Milwaukee. These are high end teams. These are teams that got past the first round. But all of a sudden they joined the Lakers. Joining the guys that were all our key guys, the uh, Rondo left and Dwight left, right? But we still got KCP, who was probably our third best player in that title run. We've still got Alex Caruso. We still got Kuz. We still got Keefe, right? Like this argument's insane to me. And I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, a li- I'm like so bothered by it, but... It's like, how how does that work? These were guys on other teams. They were on the teams that you were saying were better three through eight than we are. Yeah. And well, they were in the three through five. And now they're on the Lakers. And now we don't have the come on. And that's why we're having this, this, this conversation, because, again, last year, while I disagreed and I thought that the the outlook and again, this is because sort of what Darius just said, what I really value is two way players that yeah. are helping you win. And as opposed to a six man scorer that's coming in and if you give him the ball, he can put up some points. Um, the, you know, th- that's been happening for years. The, the Jamal Crawfords, the Lou Williams, you know, to me, that player is much less valuable in a postseason context than a player like Danny Green or KCP or Caruso, you know, or even Kuz, who's who's playing you two ways. Um, and you can't pick on with the superstar who's going to have the ball anyway. And so that's where so but even even past that point, then um, to look to consider kind of like the Clippers roster this year, it's still it's still a good deep team for sure. And yeah. I think that's why we had them rank second. But they're not. So there's no way you can argue that that group is clearly better 
than the Lakers group from this year. If you want to argue that you like them a little bit better because of this, this, and this, okay, we can have that debate. But the, my yeah. point is, my point is, even the team that I have second is uh, on this list is not objectively. I guess it's hard to say objectively, right? Um, is is not subjectively better. So let me bring in the third team, which I think this year. I could be I could be persuaded that it's either Portland, Denver, or Dallas, um, and and I'm curious who you guys have. But mm. I I, mm. I gave Portland a slight edge. Uh, I really like Nurkic, Covington. I think gives them what they need uh, on the wing. Derek Jones Jr. Same thing. All of a sudden they're long and they're rangy and they're athletic at those spots again. Um, I really like Gary Trent. Rodney Hood's coming off an injury, uh, but has a chance to be a, a decent bench player. Zach Collins, if he can get healthy, um, can be a plus player. And then you got Cantor and Mello. Um, some, you know, the, so uh, Mello and Cantor, you probably can't have on the floor in certain situations. The rest of those guys, you probably can. So that that grouping right there. Uh, do you guys is that? Do you have one of those other teams that I mentioned above them, uh, and on the same tier as the Lakers and Clippers? In looking through the list, and I wish you guys could see my screen right now because I've got Mike and Pete. We're video chatting. I've got them on one side, and then I've got this wonderfully put together email that Mike sent with all of these players just listed out, and it's perfect. And looking it's at Mike's depth chart, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but look, this is nicely typed. I like the font. It's wonderful, Mike. It's beautiful. You know, hey, <laughs> um, I, I, I try. I look at Utah as being a team that could challenge some of these other squads yeah that's fair it should be in that mix i'm still a big fan of i i know he's slowing down i know that he's older i still like mike conley um i really like bogdanovich i think getting favors back was just in terms of a talent and, and how he can help them as a backup big and and play some next to go bear those are tricky lineups but i like favors I like Joe Ingles. I think that he's a winning player. He's one of those two-way players, Mike, that I think stands up in a playoff series that doesn't take a bunch off of the table, if anything, on both sides of the floor. What his top level is below some other guys that I would rank ahead of him, but but I like him. I think Royce, I like Royce O'Neal. I think Jordan Clarkson is in that same sort of mold that you discussed earlier as like a Lou Williams type, but I actually like him better defensively than Lou, even if his top end as a scorer is not where Lou Williams is. So I might put Utah in that mix a little bit more. Am I off base there? No, no, that's fair. Uh, and here, let me do this, Pete. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the Denver and Dallas sort of three through eight slash ten uh, and then weigh in there. So Denver, they're coming at you. So it's Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Monte Morris, Will Barton. Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green, P.J. Dozer, and potentially Ball Ball as that kind of X factor. Dallas, Josh Richardson. Of course, the, he comes over in the trade for Seth Curry. Tim Hardaway Jr. A couple guys that I think are underrated, Maxi Kleber and Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, two-way role players, tough, solid. Then Jalen Brunson, Dwight Powell, and James Johnson, who they get from the Timberwolves. Uh, Darius just mentioned Utah's rotation. I was tempted to include Houston just because I love P.J. Tucker. Christian Wood, I think, is interesting. You know, Gordon isn't great for the money, but can still be a good two-way impact player. Boogie looked good uh, in his preseason debut. And then they got kind of like Macklemore, Sterling Brown. But I'd, I'd put them probably just below that tier. So, Pete, uh, we've now gone through Portland, Denver, Dallas, Utah. Uh, Darius mentioned Utah specifically. Is there, a, is there a, a group that stands out to you that you like in that, in that group? So I think Denver has the second best three through eight in the West, even oh, ahead really? of the Clippers. I do. Uh, wow. what, I look what I look for with those three through eight groups is uh, I think that there are two things that matter. I think there's, it's specialists and defense. Like if there was an offense defense, how much matters? I'd say like 75% defense versus 25% offense, because your one and two are going to be responsible for the shot creation in the majority of times. So one of the reasons I don't like Portland as much is because of, they've got a lot of guys who are either non-defenders or they have a, a major hole specifically at the five in terms of being able to defend the perimeter. We saw the Lakers exploit that in the first round series. So Nurkic is not a bad defender, but if he has to go out onto the perimeter, right? Same is true with Ennis Cantor, either on the interior or, or on the perimeter. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, right, is not going to give you a ton on the defensive end. And so 
the reason I think defense is more important than offense amongst this particular part of a roster is because you can give the ball to LeBron or Anthony Davis on every play, but on the defensive end, the offense will find your weak link. That's part of the reason why the Lou Williamses of the world end up getting played off of the floor. So you got to be able to stay on the court in most circumstances. To me, Denver's there, while they've got a couple of guys that certainly have, have holes in that respect. Like I like Monty Morris as a two-way guy, Gary Harris as a two-way guy, even Paul Millsap at his age, Will Barton's a specialist as a scorer and can, and does provide some defensive ability as well. I, I also like the upside of MPJ and Bull Bull, uh, in terms of like what they could be yeah. in even as, as soon as this year, right? So that plus PJ Dozier's athleticism, I think you've got a lot of, of the, ingredients i look for so i think they're better than the clip the point to make here too pete i think is is there star potential or a third star right and so sure the the premise of this was take away your two best players right and so michael porter jr he has real star potential which is not something that you would necessarily say about any of the players that we've talked about so far either on the lakers or the clippers all respect due to Taylor horton tucker so, <laughs> well, he's not a prospective star. He's clearly already a star. So he's already sure. Star, yeah. and Alex yeah. Caruso is yeah. already the goat too, right? So let's mm-hmm. take those guys yes. out, also, out, also factual. out also of factual. our conversation. Yeah. But that idea of Porter Jr. potentially making the leap, if not this upcoming season, that then in the next 18 months, potentially of being a guy who can be a foundational type of player similar to a Jamal Murray, not necessarily to a Nikola Jokic, right? Who I think is like a top 10 guy, but could Porter Jr. in two seasons be a top 30 player, right? So potentially be the best player on one of the NBA's 30 teams. Sure he could, right? Like you could put him on Charlotte or the Knicks or one of those, those teams that does not have a top end guy right now. And maybe he's their best guy already. Right. So, so that's another point I think Pete that works in your favor in terms of your argument for the nuggets. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, Mike, I want to hear from you about Dallas and then just this, this whole uh, group in general. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with our $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com backslash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So yeah, Mike, before we uh, uh, went, went to break, you were about to jump in on that. What do you think in, in that like star potential and, and that angle? Well, this was, this was part of the interesting exercise, right? And going through all these rosters as well, because 
again, going back to the original quote, it was basically, you know, when I look at the third, fourth, fifth best players on the other teams they're competing with, they're all way better than what LA has. And so we just listed some of the third, fourth, fifth best players. So it's Ibaka, Morris, Beverly, it's Nurkic, Covington, Jones, it's Harris, Porter Jr., Morris, it's Richardson, Hardaway, Kleber, it's Conley, Bogdanovich, Favors, right? Tucker, Wood, Gordon, going down to some other teams we haven't gotten to yet, Lonzo Ball, Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges. So these are all solid players, but there isn't a group of three there that I would necessarily rank ahead of take your pick. Is it Gasol, Schroeder, and Harrell? Is it KCP, Caruso, and Harrell? Does Kuz get in there? Uh, with so they're like they're whatever way you want to even just take the three through six. I think that these guys are relatively comparable, and it speaks to how LA has this advantage again and why they're the favorite. Because what we'll get to later in the pod, we'll just quickly go through the top twos and the separation from LeBron and AD to everybody else is quite wide. Uh, and and so therefore you would need a massive massive upgrade from three through eight or ten to to bridge that gap and even so we know that the players who have the ball in the nba and who can defend that makes a bigger difference than in other sports right like in baseball where you're playing on your own island so um that that's all part of it but let me darius and pete let me throw out a couple of these other depth charts here um and get into this kind of next tier uh and and we'll go through these a a little bit more quickly because i don't think we're going to have an argument that they're necessarily better than the lakers okay houston's already mentioned so let's go to new orleans so it's lonzo Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, Reddick, Hart, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Kyra Lewis. And they've got a couple other young guys, too, that could pop. And like that's that's actually some some nice depth of talent there, um, some good young guys. And, and I, I think that if Zion looks like he did in the preseason opener, you know, they could become interesting. Um, then Memphis kind of like this team, too. Jonas Valanciunas, uh, who is better than people think. Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, De'Anthony Melton, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones. Mm-hmm. Tough uh, kind of no-nonsense players that complement their two young stars there. Phoenix, DeAndre Aiden, Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Cam Payne, one Moore, Dario Saric, and Javon Carter. So this speaks, I think, guys, to the depth of the West that we're still naming players on these rotations that, you know, there's no, there's no guy there that you're incredibly worried about leaving out on the floor. But uh, how about from that group, Darius, let's start with you. Uh, what Do you think there's a, an ascendant situation there from one of those teams that has a chance to pick their team up oh man like i really like that pelicans group to tell you the truth um that's some good two-way talent hard-working guys to make to speak to pete's point earlier about specialists right like either two-way players or specialists is there a better shooter in the league than JJ Redick, right? Like there's guys who are probably there there are probably a couple of guys who you would take above him, um, maybe like a Duncan Robinson, Clay Thompson, right? Like Steph. Steph. Right. But in terms mm-hmm. of role player guys, Reddick's at like right at the top and and he's in that conversation of of being at least the most trusted guys. Um I like Bledsoe. His playoff stuff is well known at this point, but but he's a tough two-way guard um my love for lonzo still runs deep guys like just like my love for josh hart and um the dinner provider brandon ingram <laughs> um, right so all those former lakers i love those guys all my sons my former sons yes and and then obviously too right like i'm expecting a big year from deandre ayton too just as like a former number one pick that like we haven't really talked about. He's like the first guy that pops to me as like, when you talk about emerging, I think Aiton's a guy who's really going to take a massive step forward this year with Chris Paul on this roster, which goes back to the, some of the points we were making early in the pod, right? About how it's hard to disentangle these role players from the stars who are going to be helping them. And Aiton, I think is going to benefit a ton playing next to Chris Paul and and getting opportunities out of the pick and roll with him and, and just as a rim runner and and a guy like that. So so Pete is is from your perspective, are there groups of guys or any individual players or duos that you would highlight from this as being like, oh man, like those are I really like them. I really like Memphis. I think Memphis has a top four, three through eight in the West. They just don't have their one and two guys at this point with Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr., right? They're not, but those are those that young group 
they play a great deal of defense. They're very athletic. They get out in transition. And especially for their age, you got a bunch of phenomenal passers. I love Brandon Clark. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got D'Anthony Melton is a, a great second round guy who defends his ass off. Kyle Anderson, slow-mo, right? You, you've got passing there. And uh, Tyus Jones is another really crafty guy there. They're really good three through eight. I, they just don't have the top guys to kind of, and that they're kind of the other end of the example of how important those top two guys yeah. are right which is no disrespect to ja or jjj of course it's just they're they're young um Ooh, I, but i, I think kinda, very highly of them that's no pete I, I as i mentioned i like them but i i couldn't put them above you know clippers blazers nuggets jazz maps i think they're right there for maybe that let's see so what that would that put them like seventh and i also i think ja's going to take another leap this year man sure but okay maybe maybe split fifth, the difference though and, and like split the difference so maybe fifth, like I'm, I can, I'll, I'll agree with you on the Clippers, Denver, no doubt. I'm like, eh, on Portland, I really don't like that three through eight for Portland that much. Like I like a couple of the guys, but in totality, I, um, I, it's close. I, I, I'll go with you on that with Portland, but I'd, I'd put Memphis fifth. A down. part of this is like young guys versus veterans too, right? And like, who do you for trust sure. versus who is emerging and still sort of has to prove it? A little bit more so i think from an upside potential perspective and from a like oh these guys showed me something last season and i expect them to improve and grow even more i'm right with you there pete with well with memphis but i but i'm also with mike in that some of these other rosters with these veteran guys who year in and year out have produced at like above replacement level on good teams, right? Like when I look at a Utah, like a Favors or a Bogdanovich or a Mike Conley, some of that is, all right, well, come and take it from those guys too, right? And, and that's not saying the young guys can't or won't, but let me see it over the course of a 72-game season or an 82-game season, right? Memphis is an example to me of that 75-25 favoring defense. There isn't a bad defender in that bunch. There are a couple guys you could argue are, are average or maybe a little bit below average. But for a bench group, a 3 through 8 or a 3 through 10, those are really solid. Yeah. And, and and they will defend. They'll get out on the run. They can pass the that's hell fair. out of the ball. So that's I, I'm high on Memphis. I also agree with you, Darius, on New Orleans. I think they're going to make the playoffs, and I don't, don't think they're going to be an 8th All right. So, ooh. Really? You got them in the Ooh. playoffs. That's okay. That's interesting too. We'll have to have a whole, yeah. uh, next, maybe next week's pod. We'll have to, we'll have our like official rankings of that. Cause that will be, will that still be before? Yeah. That'll be just before the regular season starts or actually wait, regular season starts in a mm -hmm. week. No season starts yeah, on Tuesday. Season, season starts that night. Tuesday? Yeah, so maybe, Mike. Yeah. Damn. So maybe for, yeah, so maybe, maybe for just Sunday, Sunday night. night when so we let's get through yeah. the, the last few rosters here. And I do want to underscore Darius's point though, about Aiden. Because he is he is the guy out of this group that has that sort of the potential, you know, the skill, the athleticism, the size, all that to pop more into a potential all star type candidate. Um, and I think that, yeah. you know, more so than and that that could take the whole three through eight up. It, it, like if you if you have a guy who can pop to that degree, then that makes it even that much more easy on the rest of the roster. So I do think that's important to mention now yeah it's like the porter jr yeah. point right yeah, like he's right. another guy for who sure. sits in that tier of individual prospect that can lift up a group right for sure for sure and and i don't i don't think there's somebody on the clippers roster that's going to pop to that degree as an all-star i don't see somebody for this season on portland um as popping that much um i agree that it would, it would be porter although he's maybe a year away same thing with dallas that's just another group of kind of like, like what pete just said solid guys to play defense uh, you know, guys that aren't going to hurt you, whether it's Richardson, Hardaway, Kleber, Finney Smith, right? Th those guys aren't going to pop to all-stars, but they're going to be nice role players uh, around Luka. And then, yeah, I mean, Conley at this stage, right? He's, he's past that point. New Orleans, I, I'm still not giving up on Lonzo as one day, but he's he's got he's to get his shot uh, together uh, for this season. And then, yeah, Memphis, I mean, is there a guy that pops as an all-star? Probably not. Maybe Clark has the best chance. Uh, in a few years, but I doubt it. Phoenix. He doesn't yeah. really have the balls on ball I mean, skills. I, yeah. I really like, by the way, I really like Mikel Bridges. Uh, I thought he was really good last year um, as a two-way guy. Yeah. He's got, he's yeah. got the potential to get better. And now we get to the, the final five teams here and golden state. Uh, this, this to me sort of, 
if you were excited about Golden State coming back, it all changed so much with Clay's injury, right? And this is part of the reason why. They would have had, it would have been probably Draymond, right? But either Clay or Draymond to lead this pack and maybe be the best, third best player uh, in the West. And now it's probably Kelly Oubre, you know? Like, it, like I, I, I think Oubre might be a little better than Wiggins. We'll see about Wiseman. And then the rest of the guys are just straight role players, right? Baysmore, Wanamaker, Jordan Poole. You know, we'll see if Eric Paschal can follow up on a decent rookie year. But again, I, th- I thought that was a bit overrated in the context of somebody had to shoot. So, yeah, it, it's a little dark, right, when you look at that group and think how are Steph and Draymond going to be able to lift that lift that group up. And, and Pete, it's the kind of team to just to go back to your Memphis point. That's not a great matchup, right, for the war because the Warriors all of a sudden, if if those guys can just be kind of harassing Steph. Then, then who are the rest of those guys are going to really be able to um, to stop the momentum? So, yeah, man, I I did find I was a little surprised at first, but then I'm like, yeah, I can't have Golden State higher than really 11th uh, on my list here. Yeah, they've. I mean, they were a mishmash before Clay went down, and kind of this like, how did these young guys that have never played in an important game and these kind of journeyman players on the back end, how do they? match with you know this most experienced trio in the nba and uh, that was going to be a question before that and now to your point right you don't have a draymond or clay leading that three through eight uh, and what have you and you've got james wiseman who's just coming into the nba who's yeah, got a ton we'll of talent see. right I, but i have, I have no Pascal idea what had a really gonna look like yeah right exactly you know like eric pascal was a really good second round pick for them last year but under completely different circumstances and those games are kind of hard to gauge like how does that guy when he is in more of a you know a steph draymond uh, in that the actual warriors team what does that look like and so yeah man like i i i may even think 11's a little high for for this team i might put san antonio <sighs> yeah, ahead you know of them. what Actually, you're not, actually, that's 10. Yeah, so you're, I, I could be persuaded quite easily. Oh, um, gotcha. And so San Antonio would be Derek White, who I actually kind of like. Uh, DeJounte Murray. Mm-hmm. The idea of Murray has been better than the player uh, the last couple of years. Jakob Pertl, who's solid. Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, Trey Lyles. That's where you get into kind of some vets, right, that, are, that we know who they are. And then Lonnie Walker, still a bit of upside. And I, I stuck Trey Jones on there um, as a rookie. But, yeah, they're, they're not super inspiring either <laughs> in, that, uh, in that context, but maybe a no. little bit more solid than Golden State. So, you know, yeah, Pete, I'm with you there. Well, let's, let's move San Antonio up a spot. And then that just leaves Minnesota, Sacramento, and OKC. So OKC, I don't even think we need to spend much time on. I think they're the worst. They're intentionally bad, right? It's George Hill. It's it, I, There's two guys I do like, Darius Basley. And Lugans Dorks, uh, Dort, I think they've got a shot um, to be decent in a few years. But other than that, it's, you know, Tom Dudialu and Mike Mascala. So, you know, uh, and then Sacramento, uh, Buddy Heald, Rashawn Holmes, Bielitsa, Harrison Barnes, Whiteside, Halliburton, Glenn Robinson. And Darius, Minnesota would be Rubio, Malik Beasley, the number one pick, Anthony Edwards, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jake Lehman, Josh and Kobe, and Ed Davis. So uh, out of out of those three, and feel free if you want to weigh in on Golden State or uh, San Antonio, of course, uh, anything anything that you like there? Or is it kind of dark uh, in, in, in thinking about how the rest of the upper half of the West looks? I mean, well, things I like, Darius Baisley has a great name. Just <laughs> yeah. a great name. Yeah. So... <laughs> Let's move him up the rankings. In terms of the Warriors, I'm with you guys. I do think, though, Ubre and Wiggins, and to a certain extent, Wiseman, and then even Bazemore, those guys are going to benefit from the gravity of Steph and the I- and the general IQ of Steph and Draymond as playmakers and passers. Um And so I'm probably a bit higher on them within the context of their role and on this specific roster versus what they are as standalone individual talents. Um, I think a guy like Oubre and a guy like Wiggins are going to be able to attack a fair amount of closeouts against scrambling defenses when teams are putting that pressure on Steph. And Steph is not a a hold the ball, back dribble, escape dribble. No, no, no. It's my turn. It's my turn. It's my turn. He is a, I feel the pressure. Let's get it out of there. And let's let you guys play four on three or three on two on the backside. And we saw this with the Lakers all last season, right? When you give role players the chance to play three on two or two on one, they often get 
much easier shots than what they would in a different situation. And so that's that's my sort of counter for it's great point. for Golden State versus a team like the Spurs, right? Yeah, Golden State's the only team that on in this part, really the bottom half that has a legitimate superstar. And we saw with the Lakers right. that that allows makes life so much easier. Well, this, so for this gets players. back to the original argument, though, Darius, of like the exercise that we're doing right now is just sort of talent depth. Right. But yeah. but if you're but you're absolutely right, if you're bringing Steph into it, that changes it. And, and just like, you know, maybe maybe Towns, you know, with all the gravity that he has in offense, maybe he yeah. makes some of those Wolves guys better. I don't think there's you know, I don't know if the Aaron Fox is there yet um, for Sacramento. I know that DeRozan and Aldridge aren't for the Spurs and, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, that that is it's a fair point that if you incorporating Steph, especially and maybe even Draymond defensively, right, with with the leadership he has there, yeah, where sure. those guys can be bumped up some. And as far as the Spurs, um, I hear you on Murray in terms of like the idea of him has been better than than in practice. What I will say, though, is that I don't think he played in the bubble last year. But if he did, um, it was very limited. The Spurs did not make the playoffs, right? But he was coming off of an ACL going into last season. And that's often, you you know, like a year-long recovery. And for a guard who depends on athleticism, I think that the long layoff for him is going to help. I would I would not be surprised to see sort of a rejuvenated Murray um, if he's healthy and being able to sort of flash the potential that had the Spurs really high on him going into the season where he did hurt his knee. Yes. So he did play in the bubble. He played decently. Uh, you know, Derek White, I thought looked really good. Aldridge didn't play in the bubble. So they remember yeah. they started that weird lineup where DeRozan was the four. And, yeah, power forward. Yeah, yeah. and Pirtle was the five, and it like kind of worked. Um, now I say kind of worked because I think they went five and three. Um, but yeah, like they're 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 interesting, but you know, I I don't think we're you know. Yeah, like the rest of these teams, though, like some some interesting talents. Like I think that Buddy Heald is obviously one of those specialists that Pete talked about. Um, I still like Ricky Rubio. I think that he's one of those floor Sim. raiser type type of guys that can really organize you. Very similar to Rondo in that way. When he's operating at his peak level, he can be a problem and and really help lift the floor of the other four players who 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 are um, playing with him at at any given time but the top end sort of talent that exists in this in this part of the west is not high in general and and that's why they're projected to be out of the playoffs entirely right like right. one reason is the west is so good but these teams are also just not great right now now will a guy like anthony edwards pop and and, and some of these high-end draft picks a wiseman those like um those types of of players but we're not there yet Right. This is all projection for young guys like that. So so we'll just have to see. All right. So kind of my, I guess my concluding thought on that whole exercise is that you can make a case, I think, for whether it's the Clippers, the Blazers, the Nuggets, we all like to a, to a close extent, Dallas or Utah. You can make a, a case, right, that all those teams are at least close. But I, I still I believe the strongest case is that the Lakers have the best of the three through eight slash ten uh, rosters. Um, and and, you know, I think that that's not just backed up by evidence in terms of half of these guys started on good teams last year and or finished games. Um, but, yeah, uh, Darius and, and Pete, why don't you weigh in on that? And then if we if we could, we can go through the top twos real quick. Well, I said this right, Mike, before when you said like, hey, I think we should talk about this because I think it's a good thought thought exercise. And I said to you and Pete, look. I think we've gotten a pretty good look at the Lakers three through eight or three through 10 guys because Anthony Davis and LeBron James have yet to play in a preseason game. And the level of just competence and on some levels, like real flash and, and showing the ability to compete at at a fairly high level on both ends of the floor has been high for the Lakers at this point without a second of playing time for LeBron or, or AD. And so I think Pete, that it, it bodes well for the discussion that we're having that we've, that we're starting to see it already. Right. 
that three through eight has more shot creation than any other team on this list. You can run a whole offense through Mark Gasol. You can run ball screens with Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell or one or the other, right? Like we saw Trez eating alongside Quinn Cook and, and Schroeder can do the same alongside a, a different big. So that ability to get an open look exists on that Lakers roster in a way it just doesn't on any of the others. All right. So let, we can do this much more quickly, but just to, to fully underscore the point and then bring these things together, I put together a shorter list of the, the two players on each team that we didn't talk about. And there could be some discussion if, if you guys think, you know, for example, there's a there's a player um, that belongs ahead of one of these two guys. But um, here's how I had it ranked. And again, stop me any place that you want to want to discuss. Lakers, LeBron and AD, number one. Clippers, two, with Kawhi and PG. I had Phoenix close uh, close to both Denver and Golden State, but I, I, I'm, I just really like both CP3 and Booker, so I had them third. Uh, Denver, Jokic, and Murray, again, definitely accepting uh, their being bumped. Steph and Draymond, a little bit of that is just respect for the pass. The group that I want to put higher is Dallas because Luca, I think, has a chance to be MVP and is amazing. And I think you guys will convince me to put higher. But Porzingis is injured. Um, and that's where they get penalized here. Uh, he's not only is he injured, he's not starting the season, but he's a major injury risk just in general. So that's uh, Luca. I, I dropped Luca essentially because of that. Whereas if it were Luca and basically any of these other number twos, they'd probably be number one or, no, or sorry, number two or number three. Um, then I had Harden and Wall, uh, Lillard and McCollum. You could argue is above Harden and Wall. Uh, Mitchell Gobert, Towns Russell, Zion and Ingram, uh, John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Dan, uh, let's see, uh, Fox and Bagley, and then DeRozan, Aldridge, and finally Shagel's just Alexander and Al Horford. Uh, so Pete, first first thing that that stands out there, who do you want a little bit higher? Give me Denver a little bit higher. Give me Denver ahead of okay. Phoenix, and I would. Eh, Lillard and McCollum ahead of Harden and Wall on that. What stands out for you, Darius? I agree with Jokic and Murray. One of the things that I look at with this is, is any of these, like, so these are top two guys, but are any of the number one guys capable of being like a top five player in the league? Right? Yeah. And LeBron and AD are both that. Kawhi is that, right? Um, And Paul George is probably in that, eight to 12 to 15 range. Right. Um, definitely in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely in the regular, <laughs> definitely <laughs> the regular season. Um, I kid, I kid. Right. And then that's where, look, I'm starting to look at Steph at Steph Curry. I'm starting to look at Luca and Harden yeah. and Lillard. Yeah. Right. And so those guys to me, I think raise and help lift the secondary guy. The Porzingis thing is a, is a thing for me. And so I would, as, as much as I love Luca, Porzingis's question mark is tricky for me to navigate. I do expect Booker to make a big leap this year. And, and so if Booker ends up being like a better player than CP3 this year, then I think CP3 probably jumps in terms of like, is he a more impactful or better player than a lot of the second best player guys, right? Like obviously not as good as AD, probably not as good as Paul George and probably around that Murray level right and, and, and so that probably keeps phoenix in the upper half of this list to me but um but i'm still looking at these top end guys like steph and dame and look like the harden and wall thing is the elephant in the room like harden last year's version of harden the guy who is all in the guy who is trying to compete to make Houston the best team that they could possibly be like he belongs in that list of guys too, who are in like that top five to seven guys in, in the entire league, a perennial MVP candidate and whatnot, but we'll see how that goes. I want to see it from Phoenix before I would probably drop Phoenix from third on this list to sixth, right. And bump up because of that superstar thing that you were talking about with Steph and Luca, 
Um, and I think that, and the reason being is I think that Jokic plus Murray is better than CP3 plus Booker, even if they're very close, or even if you wanted to put CP3 and Booker ahead purely on talent wise, just because they fit together very well where they're, I think there's some degree of overlap between CP3 and Booker. And I know like they're both wonderful at what they do. I just, Mike, can you see any degree of like stepping on each other's toes in that duel? Not, I mean, not a ton just because so cp3 was excellent alongside james harden who is even higher usage than booker and in a different way and like booker can be a super quick assassin like score you can run him off screens uh you know you can play him like ray allen on certain possessions or you can clear out and let him iso and let him run screen roll i i just think booker is going to take another leap and to have a player that actually demands attention on the other side of the floor i think that's going to make booker devastating but I, I, i'm I'm still totally happy to drop them you know below Jokic and murray for example and that's a nod to Jokic. like if i had to rank those four players i'd say Jokic number one um cb3 and booker kind of depends on what you need right are you looking for sort of overall skill set or like the kind of team leader the driver of the team so i probably tend to go cb3 slightly higher than booker and then murray uh, but murray can take if he can play like he did in the playoffs you know then he's got room to grow clearly as well so they're they're close to me and and then yeah i probably want to bump luca up some but i think like the the whole point here is that what we're not arguing about what we're not debating is that lebron and ad are number one by a lot right and and if we wanted to have some argument or some discussion about where the Lakers ranked on the rest of the roster I think we did that and I sort of rest my case you know mm-hmm. so that's that I think basically wraps up my feeling on all of this it wraps up why um, they are the favorite does not guarantee anything as we've seen these things can turn so quickly but when you combine a top two and they can make the rest of the group better then you're in real business. And I think the Lakers have that going for them, the best in the Western Conference for this season. Yeah, this is one of those things where this team projects to be so good in my eyes. I wonder if I'm like, I have to catch myself about whether or not, like, am I being a homer? Am I like, like, am I not seeing things with clear enough eyes when it comes to, to this team? Because Pete, I think this team can be special. Like, not necessarily like one of the best teams ever special, but one of the most... Me- oh, I do. One of, well, I think that's their ceiling. I think they're capable of that. I, I don't think that that's the median outcome. I don't think that happens 50 times out of 100, but this team absolutely has that type of ceiling. In fact, I think that's what they should be going for. I think that's the challenge is that this could be, could be one of the great all-time teams. I really believe So that. let me ask you this before we wrap up. One of the things that hollinger said in the rest of the pod where they were talking about the lakers there when when he was on with nate duncan was that one of the reasons why he knocked them down lower in terms of competitiveness during the regular season is the idea that they might load manage more or they may um i'm just saying that to get mike upset um (laughs) <laughs> like I use those words specifically, but th- that they may rest their they may rest their star players Jordan. a little bit more or that they may not be as motivated. So before I kick it to you guys to ask you about how real because we've talked about this before, I was listening to the Sam Amick pod today and he had on Tony Jones, who covers the Utah Jazz, I believe. And he had on Mm -hmm. Anthony Slater, who splits time between the Warriors and the Lakers in terms of his analysis. And Sam Amick made a really great point that I hadn't heard it framed this way before. So I wanted to bounce it off of you guys around this idea of um, letting your foot off the gas a little bit. And he made the point that LeBron's about to be 36. On the one hand, you might think, oh, well, he's older. Of course, he's going to like watch it and and maybe let his foot off the gas and and manage his body in a way where he can uh, maybe coast a little bit more in order to be prepared for the postseason. But Amick was making the point like, no, man, like there's only so many years left that this guy has and he knows it. He knows that he just signed this contract. He's got maybe three more years 
right? To be like, I'm going to chase as much success as I possibly can because he's chasing ghosts, right? In terms of the all-time list, he's not chasing contemporaries. He's chasing these guys who have made their name in the league and whose legend status is cemented, right? And he argued that LeBron then is likely to push through and say, no, 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 no. This is my chance to go out there and, and, and really make it again and dominate and pad my level. So which side of that equation do you guys fall on? And the way that Amick framed that was a sort of a new idea to me. And what's your take on that? The Lakers can dominate without LeBron expending a, a ton of energy, even in the regular season. And it's to the whole premise of this pod of three through eight. The list that Mike sent us for the Lakers is three through 11, because there's no way you could leave three of those guys off and you've got three more guys. And so the idea, if they do choose to sit a guy for a particular game, or if there's the inevitable bumps and bruises of a season, you've still got a dude that's between nine, 10 and 11. That is a, top eight rotation player on a on a high quality playoff team and so that combined with the fact that the shot creation is distributed much more evenly or at least capable of being that with Gasol's uh, initiation with Schroeder's addition that LeBron can you know pick his spots he can operate off the ball we were talking last pod with Mark at the top of the key and AD and, and LeBron running those uh, that the flow offense sets and the wide pin downs off of that. Come on, man. And that's that's super easy. That's not I've got to break a stationary defense down. LeBron can like so to me, the Lakers have the best one, too, is, is Mike established and. And I think they've got the easily the best case for the best three through eight, much less three through 11. So when you got the best duo and you've got the best bench mike like the i understand there's these external factors it's a weird season and all that but to me this is a team the from a mentality standpoint they should should be looking to dominate and they can without having to put their foot all the way down uh, you know on the gas well so the case is we rest the case on paper in terms of the roster in terms of how how it fits together in our minds they now have to go out and prove it they have to prove mm-hmm. that shooter and harold can fit in a certain way uh that you know coos keeps going in a certain direction that uh the regular season means as much coming up a title all that kind of stuff sure but the reason i think that the three of us are more confident that that will happen is that we're more familiar with some of the personalities involved you mentioned the right. he's on a, a race against michael jordan uh, in time and just personal pride in the way that he carries himself. And he's also, I think, appreciative that he's here in L.A. now where he enjoys living and he's got a squad like that's fun. That's energizing. Uh, A.D. We haven't talked about much today. A.D. was unbelievable <laughs> in the postseason in his 27 and Jared Dudley's gassing him up every practice. Yo, man, you, you got to be the MVP. Let's go. He's in his ear every day pumping him up. Frank Vogel's every press conference is like, it's important for us to play as hard as the other, harder than the other team. It has to be about defensive intensity and effort. Um, Shooter is a dog. Harold's a dog. Marcus Ole doesn't play any fools. He's not here for fun. You know, he's trying to win. Like he doesn't play that. Wesley Matthews is that way. Keith is that way. Caruso is that way. So yes, the the roster is built like that. Do you think Marcus Ole came to Los Angeles to play for the minimum? to sort of like ride out and just be like, ah, I'm cool. Nah, man. Pete, you posted that clip of Gasol with the pivot and then the wraparound pass. And did you see the sort of like contempt on his face for like, look at me, make this pass for like this layup. And as he's backpedaling, just sort of just like, you MFers don't even know what you're dealing with. Just that Marc Gasol. I know he was drafted by the Lakers, but grit and grind it was him and Zach Randolph that personified that idea. Do you think he's going to come and not play hard? Well, yeah, and and he's got the he's got the bright lights on now. He was just in Toronto, you know, and that's a it's a great crowd there, but it's not, you know, there there aren't the league at large isn't watching those games as much. 
And, you know, I think he, a lot, these guys all have pride. Like they want, Mark wants people to know that, oh yeah, he's a dope basketball player. And guess what? If you play like this alongside LeBron and AD, especially uh, more and more people are going to notice and that's going to add to your legacy as well. So it, it's it, the, I think the, the pushback that we're all probably feeling is it can't all be this good and it's not all going to turn out like this. And it's not going to matter so much if they push for the greatest regular season that they can versus, but like the bottom line is it's all there. Um, there's a ton of upside and I don't buy into this notion that they're just not going to play hard, you know, because they, uh, the other, the last season, um, ended 70 plus days ago. Um, I, I think that there's too much pride. There's too much competitiveness. There's too much knowledge, uh, that these things don't last forever. And I think they're going to come out and compete. And if a guy rests here or there, that's fine. That's why it's nice to have 11 deep on the roster. Yeah. The, our frame of reference in terms of, you know, greatest teams of all time that we're old enough to have seen of the Lakers. 2001 is probably at, at the top uh, with apologies to 87, right. which a lot of our listeners aren't quite, quite old enough. But 2001, that's the playoff run we always talk about, right? What we don't talk about is they were like 21st or 23rd in defensive rating during the regular season. That's a team with Shaq on it, right? And Shaq, quite famously, I and I remember this version of Shaq, like during the regular season, you're not getting the same dude. It's not the same environment. It wasn't the same environment with as much shot creation and guys who could fill in for a 60% type of shack. And so during the regular season, we weren't even the number one seed in the West of that greatest Lakers team of all time. We weren't a number one seed that year. But when they went to the playoffs, they had what they needed to and they got that full version of Shaq. This isn't the same circumstance, right? Where not only do the Lakers have the two best stars, they've got uh, a deep three through 11 and the mentality, right? And and so I, as I will continue to say, this can go sideways in a bunch of different ways, but the Lakers have all of the ingredients, even under context to not just go, you know, buy their time until the playoffs. I, I really think this is going to be a really good regular scene, regular season team. I think that Hollinger's Argument is insane, quite frankly, uh, but uh, we will see. It got Phoenix coming up tomorrow and then uh, another game on Friday, I believe, against them. And then we got the regular season coming up. We'll be back for our next episode on Friday. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. And Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.